This is, uh, every time I've been coming here, it seems like week after week lately, there's more and more people. It's very encouraging that the season of life of not really seeing all of us together seems to be coming more and more to an end. It's reason to celebrate, like Palm Sunday, we celebrate. Um, on that note, it's Palm Sunday, and uh, we're going to look, by the way, if we have not met, my name is Charlie Salamone. It is a pleasure to meet you, and yes, it's Palm Sunday, so we're waving our palm branches, and it's a time to indeed celebrate, uh, yes, um, <laughs> But, uh, you know, in the, in the Palm Sunday narrative in the Bible, it's a lot of, um, there's a lot of irony and there's a lot of just like expectations that are kind of turned upside down. And so, um, well, um, let's just try to understand what the significance of this is. It's like everyone celebrates on Palm Sunday, like, what are we celebrating, you know? Uh, who, who remembers last year? I wonder if anyone remembers last year. It's hard for me to remember what I talked about last Sunday. If anyone remembers what I talked about last year on Palm Sunday. Let's see this. Jezebel. No, no one remembers. So last year I was like, Jezebel. And then everyone was like, down with the wicked queen. Jezebel, down with the wicked queen. Maybe, maybe, remember, maybe remember it. Um, my point is... There's this expectation. That, that's from the Old Testament. But we talked about it on Palm Sunday because it's kind of like an Old Testament triumphant entry. Okay? There's these, there's these Old Testament triumphant entries. And there's this idea that, like, the land is, is ruled by evil. But there's going to be a righteous kingdom coming. And a king is going to come into town. He is going to enact righteousness. And he is going to punish wickedness. And like I say, you see this in the Old Testament. Like we saw... Last year, King Jehu comes in and, and he has Jezebel, wicked Jezebel, thrown from the window. And um, so there's this expectation of the Messiah, the promised king is coming to town. And uh, we, the good guys, we're going to be rewarded. And the bad guys, they, the bad guys, they're going to get what's coming to them. They're going to get punished. And that was kind of the expectation. And... They had reason for expecting that, right? Because that's what the Old Testament laid out in stories like, you know, uh, the overthrow of, you know, wicked Queen Azalea and the overthrow of wicked Queen, uh, you know, uh, Jezebel and, and other, and, and specific prophecies of the Messiah. You know, you know, the Messiah, Isaiah 61. You know, I have come to proclaim good news to the poor, bind up the brokenhearted, proclaim freedom for the captives, and proclaim the vengeance of God. Like they had very good reason to expect that the Messiah was going to come, the good guys are going to be rewarded, and the bad guys are going to get what's coming to them. That was their very strong expectation. That's why they were celebrating and on one hand, they weren't totally wrong because that's what the Old Testament prophesied. But on the other hand, they were dead wrong because their hearts were dead wrong about the true heart of God. Okay? And so we're going to walk through one of the chapters in the Bible about the triumphant entry, about Palm Sunday. And we're going to see these themes and what they really mean. And, um, and we might just get corrected a little bit. Sometimes the Bible has to correct us. Um, but before we jump into that, I actually want you to do something for me. Um, this is going to be a little bit of a 
exercise, okay? Um, I need you to imagine for me, uh, you're going to have to dig deep here. You're going to have to be honest with yourself. You're going to have to dig deep. Who are the bad guys in the world right now, okay? Who are the, who, who are the bad guys? And for you, I, 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 what I want you to get in touch with is the people that really, really touch your nerves. Okay, who are the bad guys? And you could be thinking of an individual, okay? It could be someone you personally know. It could be like someone at work who just doesn't care about what's right and wrong, and they just do whatever they can to succeed. Or you can think about uh, just, it could be someone you know who has like lots of evil that just rules their life. Or it could be an organization, you know, uh, an organization or, or, or a political group, or, you know, or, or a, a national identity, a country, who is fighting for evil in the world, okay? And, and who are the workers of oppression? Uh, just the bad guys. Who are the bad guys, okay? I need you to imagine in your mind who the bad guys are. And if you're thinking, oh, there's no bad guys in my mind, just be honest with yourself, okay? Who are the bad guys, all right? I need you to get in touch with that for this to work, Okay? And, and just take one person maybe from that group, maybe the, a leader or an organizer of that group, just picture one person or maybe like this one person you particularly know who just really uh, is bad. I need you to imagine that person, okay? You, you got him in your head? I see some of you nodding, okay. You got him in your head? Okay. Now just put them in a tree for a moment, <laughs> okay? As in just imagine them sitting up in a tree because that's how our story's gonna begin. Um, I'm going to pray we're going to dive in. Father God, let your word speak to us. Let your word captivate us, engage us, and ultimately let us discern who you are and hear from you. Um, hear your heart. See your heart. Let our eyes be open. Let, our, let the eyes of our heart not be blind, Lord, and let us have true reason to celebrate in accordance with the truth. Um, in your name, Jesus, amen. Okay, let me read the first passage. Luke 19, uh, beginning verse 1. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. Okay. Um, so here we are. We have this tax collector named Zacchaeus, and he's up in a tree. Remember, I had you put someone in a tree? This person's in a tree, and the reason I had you get in touch with someone who you think is a really bad guy, someone who kind of touches on your nerves, the reason I had you do that is because I need you to really see the story through the eyes of, you know, the people there. Tax collectors. The tax collectors were the worst of the worst, okay? All right? And, and the reason for that is uh, the Jewish people, they were ruled by the Romans, and they felt oppressed, Okay, they felt that they were oppressed by the Romans, and you had Jewish tax collectors who were basically traitors, people, their own, their own people who were betraying their brothers and helping the oppressors oppress one of their brothers, okay? And not only that, it says Zacchaeus, a tax collector, he was wealthy. How does a government employee become wealthy, okay? Um, the tax collectors were known to be corrupt thieves, and, you know, there's good reason, as we keep reading, we'll see that was the case, okay? There was good reason to think that tax collectors were corrupt thieves. I mean, they were willing to be hated by their own people for the sake of money. I mean, that tells you something right there, all right? Tax collectors, the worst of the worst, there was, these were the, 
the bad guys, okay? So you got to feel that, all right? You're not in touch with Zacchaeus, the tax collector, but just keep your person in the tree, okay? They're climbing a tree, and Jesus is coming, okay? And the people are expecting, again, they're expecting the Messiah to come and execute righteousness in the land, reward the good, and, and enact vengeance on people like Zacchaeus, people who have been oppressing the good guys. So they're expecting that. This person in the tree is going to get taken down, right? Okay, but that expectation is not what plays out. Um, you get to verse 5. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. Jesus was the opposite of they expect. Zacchaeus. I want to stay at your house, okay? It's not just I'm interested in chatting with you. It's like, I want to be friends. I want to stay at your house. Like, that's a personal thing. I want you part of my mission, part of my family. Zacchaeus, I'm interested in you. Jesus did this in the sight of everyone. As in um, this, he knew that this would be communicating something. And he knew this was going to touch their nerves and challenge them, and it did. They started grumbling against him. And that's what you see a lot in the Bible. You have people who are really excited about Jesus. Jesus, we're so excited about you. And then they find out that Jesus isn't serving their agenda, and their affections quickly switch. And there's something going on here that um, this attitude in the eyes of the people, they're, they're grumbling. There is, I'm going to go ahead and say it, there is an evil that's being revealed here. Okay, there's a blindness there's a blindness that's being revealed in the people, and it's, and it's not a neutral blindness, okay? It's an evil blindness. And let me explain. Jesus, by calling out Zacchaeus and challenging all the people with that, and they're getting upset, there is uh, an idea that's being exposed in their anger, in their grumbling, and it's this. You think he's worse than you. The person you put in the tree is us. Okay, you got your person in the tree. The person you put in the tree, you think that they're a worse sinner than you are. And that's why you're upset. You see, there's something being exposed here. And, um, you know, uh, uh, Basil talked about this last week. The, the difference between walking with your eyes that are open and walking in blindness. And a big part of it is understanding that we all need mercy. Do you remember? Do you remember the same thing when Jesus was at the home of, of uh, Simon the Pharisee? And, 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 and Simon's like, I can't believe he's letting this sinful woman, you know, wash his feet. I mean, I can't believe he's doing that. And Jesus essentially says to Simon, it should be you. Like, you should be the one doing this. Like, Jesus came, and this is something you see. The crowds were often very excited about him, but he didn't trust them. I mean, this is John chapter 2, verse 24. He didn't trust the people, okay? And then, you know, Matthew seven eleven and other passages like it, even Jesus speaking to his followers, he said, you're evil. Okay, um, this was his understanding of the heart of man. And so we need to be really careful if we're going to put someone in that tree as someone who is especially bad, okay? 
We need to understand and see the world as Jesus does. We have a world full of people who equally need God's mercy. Um, And this king is coming to town. And so, anyways, people don't like it. People don't like the mercy he's giving to Zacchaeus. And and we'll keep keep going, and and you'll understand this even more. Um, But Zacchaeus, he stood up and he said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anyone, anybody out of anything, I'll pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. Some people hear about this, like, the the message of Jesus, the, the message of the cross is no matter who you are, what you've done, the amount of evil that someone could, you know, count against you, salvation Forgiveness is yours for anyone who would do what Zacchaeus did. Receive Jesus. Yes, come into my home. Yes, come into my life. Come come into my heart. Um, Salvation, forgiveness, it's yours. And some people will say, so what? God doesn't care anymore about good and evil? I mean, Zacchaeus, it seems like he was definitely part of oppressing people. God doesn't care about that? No, he does. He did come to town to do away with evil. But he's doing it in a way that's real. He's doing it in a way that's deep. The first visit of Jesus was to change the hearts of sinners. And how would he do this? He would do it through mercy. Through, through mercy and acceptance. Zacchaeus didn't accept to be welcomed by Jesus. But Jesus saying, Zacchaeus, I want you part of my family. I want to be at your house it spoke to his heart and it changed him. And Zacchaeus, who had been motivated by, by sin, by money, suddenly he realizes his money isn't his first priority anymore. And he's willing to give it away and he's willing to acknowledge. Anyone I've cheated, I'll pay them back. In the sight of all, he's willing to do this. His heart is changed by mercy. And this, the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. The mission of the Messiah first and foremost, is a mission of mercy to all sinners who would receive him. And through that mission, through receiving him, our hearts would be changed by mercy. Just like Zacchaeus. Salvation has come. Salvation is receiving mercy. Saying, yes, I am a sinner. I'm here in the tree, okay? Everyone knows I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. I need your mercy. Zacchaeus got it. Much of the crowd didn't, and salvation came. Let's not be like the crowd, and let's be like Zacchaeus. We're going to keep reading. Um, Verse 11 says, While they were listening to this, he went on to tell them a parable because he was near Jerusalem, and the people thought that the kingdom of God was going to appear at once. He said, A man of noble birth went to a distant country to have himself appointed king and then to return. So he called ten of his servants and gave them ten minas, put this money to work, he said, until they come back. Okay, so this is just a little tip on reading the Bible, and especially the gospel narratives, because you see this a lot. Um, Verse 11, 
It says, while they were listening to this, he went on to tell them a parable. So you see that language of like, while this was going on, here comes a parable. Basically, that's telling you these things are connected. And a lot of times you have things in the Bible that don't seem to be connected, but there's this little verse between them that connects them. And what that's doing is telling you these are connected. And if you want to understand these passages better, ask yourself, how are they connected? Okay, because that's going to help you understand. And again, you see this a lot, just a little Bible reading tip. And so, so I did that as I was studying. I was asking, how are these connected? What's the message? And, and in part, this parable, this story that Jesus is going to say, part of it is um, he, it says it right here. There, it says right here why he's telling this story right now. Okay, he's coming near Jerusalem. The triumphant entry is about to happen. And they think the kingdom of God is going to appear at once. Remember? The Old Testament expectation. He's coming into town. He's going to reward the good guys, punish the bad guys. That's the Old Testament expectation, and they think it's all going to, it's all going to play out right now. And Jesus is trying to help them understand um, what, what the, the New Testament calls the, the mystery of the kingdom, is that there's two visits of the Messiah, okay? Like I said, they're not totally wrong. Um, rewards and punishments are part of the prophetic expectation of the Messiah, but they are wrong, number one, about the timing, but number two, and this is the big thing, they're wrong about the heart, the heart of God when it comes to this, okay? And even more, they're wrong about their own hearts when it comes to this. So anyways, um, he tells a story about a man who was of noble birth, and he's going to leave, with the intention of coming back as king, okay? Um, and, and, and we know that this is Jesus talking about himself. He came the first time. He died for the, for the sins of all of us. And then he ascended to heaven. And he's going to return. He's going to return as king, okay? So um, he's speaking this to the people who's expecting him, him you know, to, to do what they expect right away. And he's like, there's going to be two visits. And he tells a story about a king who leaves with the plan of returning. But before he leaves, he takes ten of his servants and gives them a certain amount of money. And he says, I want you to serve me. I want you to serve my mission. I want you to put this money to use while I'm gone. Okay? So once more, this is speaking to the people. The people who are expecting him to come into town, reward them, because of course they're the good guys, and punish the bad guys. He's saying, okay, well, are you really, are you really with me? Are you, do you really serve me? Are you really one of my followers? Because if so, I'm going to entrust you with a mission while I'm gone. Okay? If you're really one of my followers, then I need you, you to embrace this mission while I am gone. And, and, and what's the mission, by the way? We just saw it. The Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. The mission is this mission of mercy, of, of giving mercy, of inviting sinners, uh, of not judging the man in the tree, but, but loving him and welcoming him because we're all the people in the tree. That's the mission, okay? We just saw that. He came to seek and save, and now he's, he's given us this mission, and if our hearts have been changed by mercy, we, like Zacchaeus, are happy, happy to join in this mission. Yes, of course. But if our hearts have not been changed by mercy, we hate this mission. Zacchaeus deserves to be punished. He's a bad guy. We're the good guys. He's the bad guy. I don't want mercy for him. But if our hearts have been changed by mercy, then we love the idea of Zacchaeus getting mercy. 
That person you imagine in the tree, you love the idea of Jesus forgiving them and welcoming them and, and changing them, right? Okay. Uh, so put this money to work. I'm going to come back, he says. Uh, meanwhile, verse 14, um, his subjects hated him and sent a delegation after him to say, we don't want this man to be your king. Uh, historically, that, that's how this would play out sometimes. You know, you had the emperor Caesar, and you'd have someone like Herod who would want to be king over a certain region, and he would go to Rome and ask for permission to be king. And sometimes there'd be a delegation going after him saying, we don't want this guy to be king. And sometimes he would come back as king, and sometimes, you know, they wouldn't, they'd be rejected. So this is like historical. They understand this way of thinking. But basically, there's people that don't want him to be coming back as king. And, and it's the, the language here in this parable is actually a little striking in more than one place. And this is one of the times. He says his subjects hated him. It's kind of just like this. It's interesting that it doesn't say some of his subjects. Um, it says his subjects. Like, obviously not all his subjects, because we're going to see some are faithful. But enough of his subjects hate him where it can be spoken of in this broad, general term. His subjects hated him. And what is it? Uh, what did Jesus say? I think it's is it John 15. You'll, you'll see it in the scriptures. Jesus said, the world hates me. The world, the world hates me. Kind of a, a stark, it's a, it's a stark um, analysis of humanity when it comes to God. I mean, again, Jesus didn't trust the people. He loved them. He loved them, but he didn't trust them, okay? Um, he says his subjects hated him. Why would his subjects hate him? Once more, let's look at the context. Why were the people grumbling against Jesus? Because he didn't serve their agenda and he didn't see things the way they saw it. You know, the crowds were so excited about Jesus until they started to understand that he really didn't come to serve their agenda. Um, you see this perhaps, you know, most clearly when Jesus visited his hometown, right? Maybe you remember that. I think it's Luke 4. You might be able to find it. Um, and he visits his hometown, and he goes up there, and he reads Isaiah 61, uh, the first part of it. Not the part about vengeance. I quoted that earlier. He reads the first part, because that is the first, his, the first vision of, uh, the first visit of Jesus is that part. Vengeance is, is later. But he reads the first part, which is, I have come to proclaim, you know, freedom and good news and bind up the brokenhearted. And he claims that he's the Messiah in his hometown. And a lot of people don't understand this passage because uh, they say, well, you know, a prophet isn't accepted in their hometown. And that's true. Jesus quotes that, but not for the reasons you might think. Because at first, after he says, basically, I'm the Messiah, the people are like, yeah. Okay, it says the people started speaking well of him. Isn't this like, don't we know this guy? Isn't he one of ours? What they're feeling is this hometown pride, okay? He's one of ours. Yes, yes, okay? One of our own, the Messiah. It's awesome, okay? And so they're, they're all happy. And Jesus basically tells them, you don't like me. <laughs> and it's like, at first it's like, you know, What? And then he keeps talking, and he says, hey, guys, uh, I was thinking, 
you know, um, there was a lot of widows in Israel, you know, in the days of Elijah, but um, Elijah wasn't sent to any of them. Instead, he was sent to the Gentiles, to that one widow. And uh, there was a lot of lepers in the days of Elisha, but Elisha wasn't sent to any of those in Israel, was he? He was sent to one of those Gentiles. And then their attitude was like, kill him, okay? And, and the reason is, what Jesus was doing was, hey, you know, we're the good guys and the Gentiles are the bad guys, right? Well, why did that happen in the Bible? And why did that happen? And they're like, kill him, okay? They were really excited about him until they found out that their view of we're the good guys, they're the bad guys, he didn't affirm that, did he? Okay? So then they began to hate him. Um, and I've seen this, sadly. I've seen this. Um, people will start to turn on you <laughs> when you challenge. We all have this idea of the people in the tree are the bad guys. Okay, we're the good guys. They're the bad guys. A lot of times it's political. It's not always political. It depends on who you are. But we have this idea that we're the ones that are serving goodness and justice and morality or whatever. And those people are, are, are the bad guys. And yes, of course, if Jesus shows up, he's going to be for us. He's going to be against them. I come from the United States, and there's two Jesuses in the United States, you know, okay? There's one Jesus who the people on the right really celebrate. He's more like Captain America than anyone else, okay? He just, he loves capitalism, and he, you know, uh, like, um, and he, uh, he's, he really wants to see America succeed. I mean, there's, there's that Jesus, and then, then there's another Jesus on the left, and doesn't really care about things like sexual morality. It's more of just about, you know, feeding the poor. Righteousness isn't a matter of, you know, personal morality like that. Um, and, uh, you know, he's, he's just more about, you know, communism and such. And um, what I've learned is that when you talk about Jesus, a lot of times people will, people will indeed be like, yes, yes, I like this guy, I like this gospel. And then as soon as like you open up a passage that maybe challenges that Jesus that they have, well, then they turn on you really quick, okay? It's just something that I've experienced. Uh, it's one of the hard things about being a pastor is like sometimes you just don't know when someone is going to turn on you, okay? Um, and a lot of times it just comes down to this. It comes down to this. Guess what? Okay, bad news, everyone. Jesus loves us. Loves us. But didn't come to affirm our agenda, okay? Didn't come to affirm our mission. Instead, he came and he said, no, you follow me, okay? You follow me on my mission. All y'all need mercy. And I've come to give it, Okay? Oh, man. Um, so anyways, back to the story. Uh, his subjects hated him, okay? They sent a delegation after him. We don't want this man to be king. But he does return as king. He was made king, however, and he returned home. Then he sent for the servants to whom he had given the money in order to find out what they had gained with it. The first one came and said, Sir, 
Your mina has earned ten more. Well done, my good servant, his master replied, because you have been trustworthy in a very small matter. Take charge of ten cities. The second came and said, Sir, your mina has earned five more. His master answered, You take charge of five cities. So once more, this is the expectations of the people. He's going to come in and he's going to reward goodness. And he's saying, yeah, you're right, okay? You're right, that is going to happen, but not yet. I'm going to come back, and the thing is, if you really are serving me, if you are really on my side, then we're going to find out when I get back. Because then, yes, there will be rewards. And once more, we know it in the context. If you are serving this mission of mercy, of indiscriminate mercy, okay, mercy to all, sinners of all kinds, if you are serving this, then yes, indeed. Okay, yes, indeed, there will be rewards. Um, but you keep going. Then another servant came and said, Sir, here is your mina. I've kept it laid away in a piece of cloth. I was afraid of you because you were a hard man. You take out what you did not put in and you reap what you did not sow. His master replied, I will judge you by your own words, you wicked servant. You knew, did you, that I am a hard man taking out what I did I did not put in and reaping what I did not sow. Why then didn't you put my money on deposit so that when I came back, I could have collected it with interest? Okay, Um, to be honest, it's hard to understand some of like the nuance of this passage. And and I'll be honest, I'm not sure I even understand all of it after like hitting my head against the wall like so much. But but there's enough that I do understand. you got this guy, and uh, he basically says, I was afraid of you, okay? I didn't serve you while you were gone because I was afraid of you, okay? Because I, th- I think you're unfair. Um, and, uh, well, the first part about him thinking that the master is unfair, I mean, that's a lot of people that are opposed to the idea of indiscriminate mercy because we think it's unfair, as if, you know, as if we're not all in the same boat needing the same mercy. But, but what's, he, what's going on even more is the man says he's afraid. I didn't serve you because I was afraid. And the master says, you're lying. Okay? He says, that's not really it. That's not really it. Um, and, and, and he said, if you were really afraid of me, you would have put my mina in the bank, where at least I would have collected interest. That's not really why you didn't serve me. And... Um, and in the passage, he says, he calls him wicked. The master, the king, you know, calls the servant wicked. And I think there we can understand what's going on in the context of, 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 of what's going on earlier in the parable. Um, saying, you didn't serve me. It wasn't because you were afraid. It's because you don't like my mission. Okay? It's, it, your heart really wasn't in line with my mission. And so this part of the parable is kind of more of a message for those who would identify ourselves as God's people, who would take upon the name Christian, and where we have to ask ourselves, are we serving this mission of mercy? Okay, is this really what we live for? Have our individual hearts been changed by mercy, the mercy that we ourselves know that we individually, we need. Have our hearts been changed by mercy? And if they have been, then are we going and living and serving out this mercy? Okay, that's what what this is about. And you have people where it's like, well, I'm a Christian. You're not living for mercy. And it's like, you don't really know him. This master didn't, this servant didn't really know the heart of his master. Okay, We need to know the heart of Jesus who came to seek and save the lost. And we need to be working 
We need to be working this mission while he's gone to seek and save the lost. Um, the next part, I'll just tell you in advance, it's a little, little jaw-dropping. Um, verse 24 uh, starts with this. There we go. Then he said to those standing by, take his mina away from him and give it to the one who has ten minas. Sir, they said, he already has ten. He replied, I tell you that to everyone who has, more will be given. But as for the one who has nothing, even what they have will be taken away. But those enemies of mine who did not want me to be king over them, bring them here and kill them in front of me. Okay, let's deal with the first part first. Um, Those who have will receive more, and those who don't, they're going to lose even what they have. Salvation. What, is, what did Zacchaeus do? Jesus said, I want to come to your house. That, that's, that's Jesus to all of us. Like, I want to be in your life. I want to be your Savior. I want to be your Lord. I want to be your God. I want to dine with you. I want to know you. I want you to know me. And what does he want from you? He wants from you to say, okay. Okay, yes, please. Yes, come into my life. Okay. He wants you to do that in the secret places of your heart. He wants you to receive his mercy. I'm a sinner. I need your mercy. That's all that's required of you because then you have. And once you have, you're going to receive more, okay? Because mercy is going to change you. The Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit, the giving of the Holy Spirit, new life, washing, regeneration, power, new life. It's going to happen because the coming of salvation is not only forgiveness, it's new life through the new birth, power of the Holy Spirit. He who has will be given more. He who has received mercy will receive more and more. But those who have not received mercy, those who have said, I'm one of the good guys, I'm doing okay, those other sinners, they need mercy, I'm doing okay, those people, even what they think they have, that's what other, other uh, similar passages say, even what they think they have, they're going to lose. And then this part about um, the enemies of mine who did not want me to be king, those who do not like this mission of mercy, kill them in front of me. Okay, that's, that's, that's rather stark, and it does challenge a little bit our understandings of Jesus. First off, right now he's speaking to the expectations of the people. That's what they expect the Messiah to do. We're kind of shocked by this part. This part's like, whoa. They weren't. They were like, that's the part of the parable that made sense to them. They were expecting the Messiah to come and do that, just like Jehu did to Jezebel, right? Just like uh, Samuel did to King Agag, just like Elijah did to the false prophets of Baal, just like Joshua did to the five kings that opposed him. Kill him in front of me. Like, this is, is, is in their understanding. And Jesus is saying, the judgment that you're expecting is going to happen, okay? But not until I return, for one. And for two, you better make sure you're on the right side when this comes, okay? Because there's a lot of you that think that you're, you're, you're on the good team. They, you think that you're the good guys. But you're not actually living for mercy. You're not actually driven by inviting sinners. Instead, you're driven by the idea of stomping them down as if you're not one of them, Okay? Mercy, mercy, mercy. Um, There is a time of judgment, but it's not the first visit of the Messiah. The mystery of the kingdom is he's coming twice. And first and foremost on the heart of God is to show mercy. Okay, we're going to keep going. We're going to just zip through this last part. Um, Verse 28 
We're going to get a new one of these, by the way. There we go. Uh, After Jesus had said this, he went down ahead, going up to Jerusalem. As he approached Bethpage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you'll find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Say, the Lord needs it. Those who were sent ahead went and found it, just as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, Why are you untying the colt? They replied, The Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt, and put Jesus on it. Okay, um, there's probably a bunch of stuff we could say about this. It's fulfilling Old Testament, and uh, the the meaning of of the colt rather than a war horse is humility. He came with mercy. Um, Later... I told you there's two visits to Messiah. Later, the, the, the other triumphant entry that's going to happen when the king returns. Uh, Revelation chapter 19. On that occasion, it is a war horse. Okay, on that occasion, like I say, then there, there is words of, of, of vengeance. You can read it, you know, Revelation 19, but not the first visit. The first visit, he is coming to make peace through the mission of, of, of mercy. Um, and, and there's also the stuff about go and just get it, and it's like, well, what if someone says, what are you doing? Um, the person will give it to you. Um, there, there's a little encouragement here because in the previous passage, it talks about we have to serve him. We've been called to serve him, and that can be scary, right? Especially when we think he's coming back. Like, I, I, want, I, want, him to, I want him to say well done when he comes back. And, and what if uh, I don't have what it takes? Um, there's some good news here that, is, that, that I want to remind you of, and I hope you've discovered this. Um, serving God, he's gone ahead of us, okay? We're walking in the good deeds that he's planned out for us. Here, just show up. There's going to be a cult there. The people are going to say to you, what are you doing? And you're going to say, the Lord needs it, and they're going to say, take it. And it's really just a matter of walking in the steps that he lays out in front of you, um, We don't need to do anything in our own strength. We don't need to do anything out of our own wisdom and our own power. It's all about Jesus, use me. And he he sends us out on this mission of mercy, and we just walk in the steps that he has in front of us. Um, So so there's more I could say about that, but for for time, um, we're going to keep going. Um, And uh, now... As he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road, and when he came near to the place where the road goes down to Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd sent to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. Here is the celebration. This is what we're doing. And Jesus said, it is good to celebrate. It is good. It is good. It is good. But let's understand what we're actually celebrating, right? We're celebrating a Messiah who came with a mission of mercy. And we're celebrating as sinners who have received mercy, who have believed, who have been set free. This is what we're celebrating Otherwise, we're just as blind as as the other people. We're celebrating as sinners who need mercy. And and, and we're rejoicing because because a message and a king and a a savior of mercy has come. And and this last part that I'm going to read is really the climax of the story. 
Okay, all this is building up to this, to this next part. He gets to Jerusalem, and what does he do? As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, If you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. He's he's weeping over the city that is blind. The city that's not interested in mercy. Judgment is going to come upon this city. That's true. All right? And the heart of Jesus is to cry about it. So much, so much he wants to see these people. A, a similar passage said he wants to see them like gathered in like a, like a hen with her chicks. So much does he desire to give mercy that he weeps. And I, I want to leave us with this because I really feel like the whole thing, everything we're doing here is about knowing God, knowing him, having a relationship with him. And if you really know someone, it means that you understand what makes them cry, what brings you to tears. This is one of only two times in the Bible where Jesus is brought to tears. To know someone is to know what really makes them tick. And this is the heart of God, to give mercy, and he weeps. He weeps at those who don't want his mercy. We sometimes as Christians, we rage against them, okay? Those godless people, <laughs> you know, we can do that. I can do that, okay? Not Jesus. He weeps over their hard. He's weeping over the Pharisees. He loves the Pharisees. He's weeping over even they, people like Simon, let us truly know this king and let us go and serve this king with this heart living through us. All right? And let's rejoice uh, over this mercy. And, 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 and until he returns, let's, let's serve this mission together. Amen? Father God, do that work in us. Let us serve this mission of mercy. Let us know, believe, embrace and understand that we're sinners in need of mercy. And let us treat people, people we imagine to be sinners in a tree. Let us treat them with true love, longing, weeping uh, over their hard-heartedness, Lord. Knowing from experience, Lord, what it means to be blind, Lord. Give us such eyes to see and let us rejoice and celebrate you um, in spirit and in truth. We ask this in your name, amen.